G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're chatting now with Dr. Camille Magdaly from Teach All Nations. He's currently on the Understanding the Times tour. And if you've been relying on the news media for commentary on current events, you may be missing the biggest dimensions of what's really happening in the world. Dr. Camille Magdaly says, How can people understand the world's conflicts and the developing change if they ignore the spiritual and religious dimensions. This year's Understanding the Times tour is well underway, and Dr. Camille Magdaly's theme is A Tale of Four Cities, Washington, London, Canberra, and Jerusalem. I've heard him speak recently on this topic, and we had a great bit of Q&A at the end of the, the message as well. Uh, we're going to open the phone lines shortly, so get ready to call through if you've got a question for Dr. Camille Magdaly. And uh, you're based in Melbourne at the moment. How are you, brother? I'm good, Matt. How are you? Very good. Uh, Tell us a bit about how the tour is going around the nation. Well, uh, thank God for Vision Christian Radio, because Vision is bringing out the people. I did a meeting in Logan area the other night, and I'd say 75% of the people that came were Vision listeners. Wonderful. So, look, it's it's great. I enjoy doing it. I see... uh, a refining of the message each time it is given, and it's been given nearly 40 times already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, I have to update it because of rapidly, uh, how should I say, rapidly unfolding current events. But the message, of course, essentially is the same. We are in a time of great shaking and uncertainty, but there is great hope for people of God, and it's called building your life on the rock. Mm. Wonderful. Well, before we get into uh, the the meat of our topic today, let's just give our listeners uh, a quick uh, opportunity to go and see you speak. Where where are you up to next? Where are you off to on your your next uh, season of the tour? Good point. I just did Doncaster, Melbourne last night. That was my home church, Doncaster City Church. So it was a wonderful meeting as well. We had people, all kinds of visitors, including one gentleman named Michael who came from Geelong. He missed the Geelong meeting, so he drove up to Melbourne for this one. Tomorrow night, Friday, Wangaratta, and then Saturday night, Wodonga, and then Sunday all day, Tachura, again in country Victoria, Tuesday night, Kyabram, Wednesday night, Bendigo, and then I return to the western suburbs of Melbourne, St. Albans, on Thursday night next week, in other words, a week from today, and then Friday the 18th, Leanne and I fly to Western Australia for two and a half weeks, which will be the balance and final leg of the tour. Wonderful, mate. Well, I so appreciated uh, hearing you share when uh, I, I went and saw you, you, you speak at New Hope uh, a few weeks ago now. Uh, for those who haven't heard about the content of the, the tour, uh, and obviously it's changing rapidly with uh, world events changing, um, just give us a little bit of a snapshot. What's what's the heart of your message? The heart of the message is that there is a 
shall we say it's a non-biblical <laughs> uh, way, maybe in the Bible, but it's not a biblical trend. I call it a flash flood of globalism, progressivism, pantheism, socialism, what have you, that mitigates against everything a biblical Christian would stand for. But there have been these prophetic, prayerful pushbacks that happened twice in 2016 with Brexit and Trump. Then, of course, in 2019 with the surprise shock election of Scott Morrison. And not because God endorses candidates, you know, or has a political party affiliation. He's far bigger than that. But he does respond to the people who, who pray and pray for his kingdom to come and pray for righteousness to dwell in the And a lot of Christians talk about the biblical end-of-the-world scenarios. In Bible terms, we think of names like Gog and Magog, identified historically with either Turkey or Russia, and the kings of the east as Iran and Associates. And we talk about things like the Battle of Armageddon. And now that uh, Russia has bases in Syria and and Iran expanding in that region, lots of uh, Christians will be now be looking to that part of the world and making sure we're prayerful and attentive. Uh, what are your thoughts on the latest developments in Syria? Well, of course, it's not a good thing to be in anybody invading anyone, and especially in a country that has been racked with civil war or actually regional war for the last eight years. Bear in mind that the Syrian civil war has morphed into a regional war where different parties are using Syria as the battleground for their proxy war, you know, whether it's Sunni versus Shia or Western Alliance to Eastern Alliance. So it's not good. But at the same time, it is really important. And it's something I've been advocating for years and years and years, that we do have an eye for the Middle East, an eye for the Middle East for its own value, because there's precious people there, not just lots of oil, but also because, yes, it is the land of the Bible, and not just the land of biblical history, but I also believe a prophetic destiny. Many of the end-time place names, for example, Matt, are in the Middle East. Mm. In fact, if not just about all of them. And so while we may be looking for a blonde-haired, blue-eyed European antichrist, we really do need to, again, know our geography. And when the Bible names certain places, we need to keep in mind, Turkey needs to be watched. It is an incredibly important and significant country in its own right. And, of course, because of the place names, it also may have a role in Bible prophecy, particularly with Ezekiel 38 and 39, which is popularly known as Gog and Magog. Even though I've been teaching prophecy for years, I've also learned not to be dogmatic, because we only know as much as what the Holy Spirit shows us, and what our historical context gives us. And if the history changes, we may have to revise this or that, or if we, the Holy Spirit gives more information, the same thing. But yes, we need to be watching. Is it Gog and Magog? I don't think so, not at this point. But it does need to be watched over, and it does need to be prayed over. Mm, absolutely. Well, it's certainly a hot topic, and it's in the news, and Christians around the world will be talking and praying about this. If you would like to join the conversation, we're going to open the phone lines now, 1-800-316-316. Dr. Camille Magdaly is our guest today. You can ask him a question. Maybe you've got a question about Gog and Magog and about Turkey and the end times, about the Battle of Armageddon. Maybe you've got a question about that, a question about the Antichrist. 
Maybe you've got a question about praying for Israel in these last days. We'd love to hear from you. Call through on 1-800-316-316. Let's uh, just turn our attention towards the U.S. for a moment, Dr. Camille. Uh, When we look at Donald Trump, there's so much going on, uh, you know, calling for his impeachment right now. What's your take on all this? Well, it's uh, not a good situation, but it's not unexpected or surprising either. People are learning in the Understanding of the Times tour that there is a very strong spiritual dimension to everything we're seeing there in Washington, everything we're seeing in London with the Brexit, everything we're seeing even in issues like Australia and the federal election and what happens and even the drought. There's a spiritual dimension. There, Donald Trump is going against convention, and he has been from day one, even from the day of his candidacy being announced in 2015. He is going against the establishment. He's going against the elite. He's going against progressivism and that whole, as I call it, flash flood that's been coming through the Western world in what we call the culture war. He's been not just breaking rules, but in some ways scoring goals. He's like a one-man army, the first wartime president in this cultural-slash-spiritual war. So his opposition, they can't even wait 13 months for the next election. Now, that's what you normally do in a democracy. You don't like the guy in power? That's fine. Raise all the money you can, launch a spirited campaign, and vote him out. So why do you want to do impeachment and, of course, paralyzing the whole legislative agenda in the process? Why can't you just wait another 13 months? And apparently there's two things in the Democrats' minds. One is, of course, they still have in their head, despite the contrary evidence of the Mueller report, that this election of 2016 was rigged. It's illegitimate. And the second thing is they're afraid that if he actually makes it to November 2020, he will get reelected. They don't want to take that risk, so they're impeaching. But see that what it does is it takes impeachment from a constitutional justice point of view to a politically motivated point of view. And that is a distortion of the process, and that's very unhealthy for the country. Well, it's uh, insightful to hear your comments on what's happening in the US. We'll keep that conversation going. But I just want to mention, if anybody, anybody wants to call through now to have a chat with Dr. Camille, the phone lines are open on 1-800-316-316. We'd love to hear from you if you've got a question or a comment on what's happening in the US or in the Middle East in these exciting times we're in. Call through now, 1-800-316-316. Or you can make a comment at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. We've had a comment come in from Lorraine Carpenter. Uh, we've asked the question there, Dr. Camille. We've asked, do you think things will get better or worse for Christians in the end times? Lorraine has said, Christians will find themselves in difficult and dangerous times, especially if the one world government gets in. Life and prayer will be the forefront of trying to keep every day going. Uh, Interesting comment there from Lorraine. Uh, What's your thoughts on uh, the end times for Christians, Dr. Camille? Do you think things will get better or worse? Well, without sounding double-minded, the answer is both, depending on what side of the fence you're on. Bible talks about two scenarios, and it's not a contradiction, it's they are complementary. One is the great falling away or apostasy. That is not just inevitable, it's been happening for a while. But at the same time, 
there'll be amazing moves of God, the greatest revivals the world has ever seen, which goes in line with my teaching that I've always said the last days is not purely doom and gloom, but a time of contrast where the light actually gets brighter while the dark is getting darker. So the answer is both, Matt. But the thing that people need to remember is that this is not a time to be half-baked, double-minded, compromised. This is a time to get serious about your spiritual life. Because when you are spiritually in tip-top shape, you can handle anything this wicked, nasty world can throw your way. You will land on your feet. Amen. That's good news, Dr. Camillo. I agree wholeheartedly. And we've got uh, calls coming through. You can call on 1-800-316-316. Chris from Ararat, have you got a question or a comment? Uh, yes, just a, well, a, a question, I guess. Um, I'm just thinking Donald Trump, um, everyone's acting as if he's um, just come from nowhere and they can't, don't, can't understand him and they don't know what he's doing. But um, like before he was a president, he was a multimillionaire from his own business and he built that business. So why can't they just look back and see how he did that and see that he's going to do that to America? What are your thoughts, Dr. Camille? Well, uh, thank you, Chris, for the question. I'm not sure that there's a lot of what we call calm thinking out there to begin with. Part of what we're seeing is a lot of triggered, irrational, emotive uh, reaction. They call it resistance, but in some ways it's just downright rebellion against the democratic system. Donald Trump, of course, was a reality TV actor as well, but... uh, I guess the thing that troubles especially those left of center is they remember that this guy was from New York, which is a very left-wing progressivist place. He was once very pro-abortion. So they remembering him as the New Yorker from a left-wing city, pro-abortion, and then he's now had a new incarnation as a, how should we call it, as a champion of conservative values. That change, which really we still don't fully know how it happened or why, is befuddling people who've known the old business shark Trump and now candidate and President Trump seems to be a different creature to what they're used to. That, that I think, is part of the issue, but by no means all. Chris, any more thoughts on that? Um, I think that's answered my question. Thank you very much. God Good bless on- you both. Good on you, buddy. Thanks so much for your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. And if you'd like to call through and have a chat with Dr. Camille Magdaly, you can call now on 1-800-316-316. And uh, on that note, Dr. Camille, uh, a lot of people have uh, talked about uh, Vice President Mike Pence, who is a very strong Christian believer. And there's a lot of pastors that are uh, regularly in contact with uh, Donald Trump, praying for him and uh, advising him. Uh, I just think that is just wonderful that he's got great, good Christian people around him. It's so important, isn't it, hey? Absolutely. And in fact, he's been the most visibly influenced president in terms of Christian witness, visits to the White House by prominent Christians, laying hands on him, praying for him, prophesying over him. I know that other presidents have received Christian visitors. Bill Clinton, for example, received both Bill Hybels and Tony Campolo regularly. In fact, Hybels every single month, virtually for the eight years Clinton was in the White House. This happens, but we 
That was very supposedly private and unofficial, but somehow the word got out. However, with Trump, it's the most overt we have seen. Now, some may say, well, it's you know photo op campaign thing, but he genuinely seems to listen and crave that kind of prayer support, which, if you read the book, The Trump Prophecies, seem to be the overwhelming factor in his surprise election victory in 2016. So he is very pro-Christian, and recently, Matt, he released money to help support the persecuted church overseas. Mm. Now, I can't even recall a U.S. president acknowledging that Christians are being persecuted, let alone giving money to it. So this is something we need to note, especially as Christians, that he is helping our cause. Mm. And we've got calls coming through today on 1-800-316-316. Gabby from Bunbury and WA, have you got a question or a comment? Uh, good morning. Look, uh, just thinking that we originally migrated from Lebanon and Syria about 50 years ago and recently visited Lebanon last Christmas, and we, uh, we saw what's happening firsthand to the Christian minorities in that area. Whereas uh, the Sunnis and the, and the Shiites are getting lots of support, financial support from Saudi and uh, Iran, but the Christians are really being abandoned and they're actually shrinking. I just wanted to ask uh, Dr. Majdali that uh, whether there's any correlation about the persecution and the shrinking of the church in the Middle East as a whole, if there's any correlation between that and the persecution in the West of Christians because we've ignored the persecution in the Middle East, and it's spreading. Okay, is this the Gabby that I met a couple of years yes, ago in yes, Bunbury, by chance? Hi, hi, Camille. Okay, I well, bless you. Well, thank you for that great question. Look, it's both a correlation and not a correlation. First of all, there is, in general, an anti-Christian and, may I add, an anti-Jewish push happening in the world today from this flash flood of globalism, pantheism, socialism, progressivism that has been uh, coming our way. So that affects Christians, whether they're in the East or in the West. Part of the, uh, that's part of it. But the pressures, or shall we say, persecution is of a different nature. In the West, it's more social, it's more legal, it's more, you know, social media kind of thing, whereas in the Middle East, it's actually very real. It's either getting dispossessed or being uh, killed or uh, harangued in some way or becoming refugees. So the Western Christian is in no wise anywhere nearly uh, disadvantaged as those in the Middle East. What I've been advocating, and there is some movement this way, including some prominent people like Donald Trump or even once Prince Charles, and I think Vladimir Putin made comments about the persecution of Christians in the Middle East. I do highly urge our listeners to take note of this, and if you feel led, and if I hope you do, please pray for the persecuted church, not just in the Middle East, but from Nigeria to North Korea, and where possible, do advocacy, whether it's with federal members, with charities that deal with suffering Christians, or what have you. But really, I, I do believe the Western Church has a responsibility and obligation to remember the suffering church elsewhere in the world. Does that answer your question, Gabby? 
Yes, I, I would just like to add, I'm also a researcher, and I agree with Dr. Majali about what happened to the Jews. They had a mass exodus from the greater Middle East, and now it's happening with the Christians, unfortunately. So we really need to support them. They are really suffering and, and help protect them, both the Jews and the Christians in the Middle East. I couldn't agree more. Thank you for that, Gabby. Thank you. God bless you all. Thanks for your call, Gabby. God bless. Bye. Joining us on the line right now, we've got Ali from Melbourne in Victoria. How are you doing, Ali? Good, by yourself? Very good, buddy. Have you got a question for Dr. Camille? Yeah, mate. My question is, like, okay, it's a Christian channel. What my question is, like, uh, earlier on I heard, you know, we need to protect uh, Christians and Jews and this and that. Why would you bring up something like that? Wouldn't you want to protect all of humanity? Isn't that a part of the Bible, the Koran, the Torah and everything? Instead of raising stuff like that to divide everything? That's a good question. Dr. Camille, what's your response? I've just had a little trouble hearing Ali's question, Matt. Could you just rephrase it, please? Yeah, so Ali's... uh, I've just been speaking to Ali off air. So he's a Muslim man born uh, in Australia from Turkey and is saying, if we're talking about Christians and Jews and Muslims and protecting one, not the other, shouldn't we be protecting all of humanity? Shouldn't we have a heart to care for everyone regardless of their religion? Well, of course. We should be protecting everyone. And when it comes to the Middle East conflict, Muslim people suffer a lot from it, just as everyone else, for various reasons, of course. So, well, we as Christians, we love everybody, and we want to see everybody uh, not just safe, but we also want to see everyone come to, as we believe, the knowledge of the truth. Can I just say that it has the thing is that there are targeting of Muslim people, but sometimes the target of Muslim people is by other Muslims, sometimes Shia versus Sunni and so on. The other thing is that there has been, the problem is is the minority status, because in certain places, the uh, Christians are the minority, and, and especially Christians. They're not, you know, Jewish people are not a minority in Israel, but Christians are a minority in virtually every Middle Eastern country, and they do suffer from that minority status. So, yes, we want to see everybody protected, Muslims included, but we highlight especially the Christians in the Middle East because they are the minority in every country that they're found. Ali, any thoughts or comments on that? Yeah, that's fine. I know they're a minority. Like... uh... I've got relatives that are currently in Turkey in the Turkish military uh, with what's going on, right? Uh, Turkey took on three and a half million Syrians that are Durzis, Christians and everything, right? Yes, they have. Yeah, and like, then now, today I hear on the radio, our uh, genius uh, Prime Minister, uh, he's concerned what Turkey's doing. Hold on a second. Turkey's been a nation getting attacked by these so-called peace activists from Syria, for the last 30, 40 years. So our Prime Minister jumps in and goes, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. Would you like someone else to attack Australia, terrorism activities, not protect itself, and killing innocent uh, Christians, Durzis, whatever faith that Turkey's trying to protect the Syrian people on the border? I just find that very, uh, very misleading, our news current affairs in this country. Very misleading. Dr. Camille, your thoughts on that? Well, I think, look, I, I hear where Ali's coming from, and I do appreciate it. I mean, he has Turkish background, and I do appreciate Turkey. I appreciate uh, – that's one country I've tried my best to learn about 
because it's got a very pivotal role in the Middle East with Europe, with Central Asia. Its, its capacity for influence is very, very unique. So it is important we get a well-balanced perspective, and that's why I myself, in what I do, have tried to teach on key countries of the world. And, yes, that includes Turkey, because the more people understand these different nations, they can respond and pray appropriately. Yeah, that's that's correct. But unfortunately, um, what I find with our Western media especially, we only say things that what what benefits our backyard. We don't worry about what actually the facts are. I find a lot of the facts that's the Western media, so-called in the country that I live, so-called democratic, like pump out this wonderful news, you know, Turkey's killed three innocent, uh, three civilians. Hold on a second. Let's look, look at the bigger picture. Half a million people died because the Syrian regime's still there. We don't worry about that, but we worry about a country that's protecting three and a half million Syrians and one and a half million Iraqi innocent people. But we worry about them attacking, trying to bring the war to an end. Mm. Now, I appreciate hearing your perspective, Ali, very much, seriously. The, the interesting thing is that Turkey has been Western-orientated for nearly a century, thanks to Ataturk. And yet, amazingly, the West knows very little about this Western-orientated NATO member. And I believe, yeah, we the part of the issue may be the media and the individual journalists only know a little bit about Turkey. But I think we need to know a whole lot more so we can make not just better judgment, but also better decisions on foreign policy as well as what we do in the yeah. church. Yeah, it's true. Like Donald Trump had a conversation with the Turkish uh, president, and he said, okay, I'm going to pull out the troops. You need to control that area, but I don't want you killing civilians. Why would Donald Trump or something say, I'll pull out my troops, if he didn't see there was an active issue between the terrorists, so-called fighting for the Kurdish rights? I've got a brother-in-law that's Kurdish. Right, he goes, they've got nothing to do with us. So why would Trump look at this and go, you know, I'm pulling my troops out because there's a bigger issue here. Well, right. And also, Mr. Trump, he uh, has made campaign promises. He wants to get out of pointless Middle East wars. So basically, he doesn't want to get involved in something that doesn't involve America or its national interest. So it's something we need to watch, but it's also something we need to be better informed of. And, you know, ultimately, while the media does provide a service, I think it's up to responsible citizens to also learn what they can about key places, especially decision makers, leaders and the like, because after all, if we're rightly informed, we're going to uh, make the wise judgment at the end. Hey, Ali, we've got, uh, we've got other callers to go to, but uh, thank you so much for calling and glad you've been listening to Vision Radio, mate. Thanks so much. Yes, no, take care, mate. Cheers. God bless. Uh, great to see uh, a first-time caller calling through. If you want to call through and join the conversation, you can call on 1-800-316-316. And we've got uh, Jean from Dalton in Victoria. Uh, are you there, Jean? Okay, no line there. We'll try the next one there. Uh, we've got uh, Marguerite from Rockhampton. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. Have you got a question or a comment? Um, well, I have a comment about the last um, caller. Um, I think that um, by listening to the wonderful vision, 
and to Camille Madgley, um, we can actually access a lot of information that, yes, we don't get from the other area, but because we're interested and we are a child of God, we actually hear what happens. And one of those reports that came through when the Exodus came, and all, uh, not Moses' Exodus, um, but what we called was maybe the second Exodus when everybody fled to different countries, um, the um, immigrants went over into Germany and this was a report that I heard and I don't know if it's true or not but anyway they went into Germany and then Germany said we can't actually handle all these people that are coming in so they paid Turkey billion, like hundreds and billions of dollars to take a lot of their, the people from them and put them into Turkey and then from what I heard was talking about minorities, um, a lot of the people that proclaimed to be Christians were stood up and shot in Turkey, um, you know, because they were Christian. So, and what I'm trying to say is we can't be small-minded. We have to realise that when discussions go on be between countries, we don't know what threats were given out from Turkey to um, America and we do know that America is trying to please everybody um, so I'm just saying to you that um, asking you what's going to happen with Turkey because I think Turkey is a very scary country especially if it's going to be picking on the minority of the, the Christians um, and no one's talking about it here in Australia. Okay, Dr. Camille, your response? Well, as I mentioned earlier, for almost 100 years, basically 1923, Turkey shed its Ottoman Empire, its ruling of the caliphate, its sultan, who happened to double up as the Muslim khalife or caliph. They shed that to go Western and modern and secular and as long as Turkey stays in Mustafa Kemal Ataturk's secular, more, secular mindset, or Kemalism as they call it, then we have every reason for, for hope, as it were, because Turkey is the counterbalance in the Middle East, in Central Asia, and so on. If Turkey were to lose its secularism and go fundamentalist or be like the Iranian revolution but in slow motion, then I would say that even Rockhampton, Queensland <laughs> will feel the tremors. So being Western and secular has been very good, not just for Turkey, but also for Europe and the Middle East. We're not sure if that's going to change. Some people say it is changing, but I would say we need to just watch and we need to pray. And that's the whole thing. If Turkey stays as it was intended to stay nearly a century ago, then the abuses of power and all that will be kept to a minimum, if indeed they are abuses of power. It just, again, depends on the perspective. Marguerite, thank you so much for your call. Thank you. God bless. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we've got uh, Bruce from Wondi. Have you got a question or a comment? Uh, question to ask. Go for it. Uh, I was at uh, Camille's meeting in Kingaroy on Saturday night. And uh, Camille, like, you know, we know there's cultures where we get honour killings and stuff like that, where family members dishonour dis the family in some way. And um, 
Camille made a, a brief reference in his in his message to um, the children will give up their parents to death and parents their children and referred to euthanasia and abortion. I was wondering if Camille could expand a little bit on that, please. <laughs> well, Bruce, thank you for the question. Thank you for coming to my meeting. I'm not sure I can expand on it. The the uh, Obviously, if there's honor killings, that would fall into that category of parents uh, uh, killing their children. Although I would say certainly from a Western context, it it you know there is a serious possibility it does happen in the West. In fact, I know it does. Obviously, a whole lot less than in uh, the non-Western world. But as far as expanding on it, all I can say is uh, is law, if abortion and right to die acts are kept to a minimum, then yes this betrayal of parents and children will be kept to a minimum. But if they're expanded and made legal, that's a different story. Because let's face it, honor killings are illegal. And apparently in some parts of the Middle East, they're illegal as well. But the the punishment may not be very severe. However, with euthanasia and expanded abortion rights, totally legal, and there's no repercussion against it, at least from a human judicial point of view. So now I... I can't really say more than that, and I, actually, I would like to pray that I'll have even less to say because there might be that prayerful prophetic pushback, which I'm advocating in my meetings. Thanks for your call, Bruce. Not a worry. Thanks, guys. God bless you, Thank mate. Thank you, Bruce. And we've also got Shirley from Adelaide in South Australia. Hey, uh, Shirley, you got a question or a comment? Shirley, are you there? No. Oh, he- hello. Are you there, Shirley? Yes, sir. You got a question or a comment for Dr. Camille? Yes. Um, I would like to give my comment. Yes, I. Yes. Yes. I'm up. I would like to give my comment. Go ahead. And uh, about the trouble in Hong Kong, and also those are the signs. Okay, you want to make a comment about Hong Kong? What, what's your comment? The trouble about the Hong Kong that they are asking for freedom with the mainland China and also now the trouble in Middle East and uh, about President Trump. <clears throat> As I would like only to share my the memory memory verse in the Bible in John chapter 16, verse 33. It says that, I have told you this thing so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm. Very that is good. what Jesus said in John chapter 16, yep. verse 33, because <clears throat> it is, um, that is the sign. It's in the revelation. It says that all the trouble that we have, is God is still our overcomer. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, let's let's go to Dr. Camille. What are your thoughts on the latest in Hong Kong? All right. Uh, I'm acquainting myself with Hong Kong. I, I mean, I know Hong Kong. I've been to Hong Kong. It is a very unique situation in that it is considered part of China, but since 1997, that's 22 years ago, it's been under a 50-year agreement brokered by the formal former 
British colonial masters that they can still be Hong Kong and still have the relative freedoms that they enjoy uh, for another 50 years after the handover to China. Now, the thing is that Hong Kong is, of course, much freer than China, and there has been protests in the past, but obviously nothing like this, where basically the protesters are concerned of the encroachment against their freedoms, and they are prepared to keep protesting and protesting and protesting in the process. It seems to have a life of its own. And I did actually speak to an Australian man who was physically present at Hong Kong protests, and he said, first of all, they're massive, could involve up to a third of the population gathering to protest. That in itself is amazing. And he said that there is elements of it where they're either singing hallelujah courses or other hymns in the protest, and that is rather remarkable, too. I almost, in a sense, if I had more information, would have included Hong Kong in this Understanding the Times tour, and it would then be the tale of five cities and not just four. But uh, we don't know. I would just say that China is not very happy about it, and, and they're penalizing the National Basketball Association, the NBA, because of a single tweet by one of the uh, the captains of the NBA saying that, uh, you know, standing in solidarity with the people of Hong Kong, he has since retracted the tweet. He's repented in sackcloth and ashes because the Chinese dragon is roaring. <laughs> and it really is, uh, it's, it's, rather, it's rather concerning. You've got people in Hong Kong protesting and taking a big risk, but you have the NBA, as it were, backtracking on, on this kind of thing. It's, it's something we need to watch carefully. We need to actually do more than watch. We need to pray, as Ephesians 6.18 tells us, praying all kinds of prayers in the Spirit and watching thoroughly with perseverance for all saints. So I'm not saying the Hong Kong protests are Christian, although no doubt there are a lot of Christians involved in the protests. So uh, I, I, it's just something we have to watch. It's just amazing because we, it has... Co- engendered a life of its own and uh, we're uh, you know we didn't expect it to last this long but indeed it has okay well Shirley's uh, dropped off there uh, we do have one more call here from Emma at Port Ferry how you doing Emma good morning how are you I'm very good thanks have you got a question I or like comment I apologize firstly the other day I was on the phone and I pushed the wrong button. Oh, you so hung up, did you? I was trying you? to get through, but <laughs> I, I am very, very sorry. Now, Emma, I've got to say thank you for the colouring in that did you, you sent me. It? Yeah, Robbo gave it to me this morning. Some beautiful colouring in you've done. Um, it's beautiful. I'll pass that on to my wife and kids. Thank you so much. So you liked it? Yes, it was beautiful. I was very impressed. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, have you got a question or a comment for yes, Dr. Kim? Yes, I have. Go ahead. Something is bothering me. Yeah, what's that? Well... About abortion. Yeah. All right? Look, when the girl gets pregnant and they do want it and they don't want it, it's not fair on the child whose is the baby inside the mother. Mm. The baby doesn't ask to be put there. Mm. And the baby's got every right to do is 
Make it same as every other children and the parents should exactly realise that. I know it's the parents, it's pretty hard for them, okay? But the baby is exactly suffering and it's not fair and it's, and it's making me unsettled and, and I feel sorry for the baby and the parents, but the parents should, should realise before they do that. Mm. Have I got a point? Oh, you're making me cry here in the studio, Emma. It's beautifully well, said. Well, mate, I'm crying here. <laughs> but, but it's true fact what I'm saying. Yeah. Other people, right, want children, okay? People who can have children and they don't want to, and they get rid of it. Won't they have the child for the, for the full term and adopt it out to the people who can have children? Mm. Do you Beautiful. reckon I'm right, Matt? I reckon you're, you're on the money there. Dr. Camille, what's your response? Well, what can I say? Any more to that, uh, it would be wonderful if people who don't want their child would give that child to people who desperately want children. And I don't have statistics in front of me, but I know there's many wonderful couples that would love to adopt a child, and this is the most wonderful resolution of an issue. In fact, I'll just quickly mention, I met my first cousin in the U.S. I hadn't seen her in years and years and years, and she, as a, oh, as a young adult, she got pregnant, but it was against her religion to get an abortion. So she adopted out the child and had no contact with the child for years. And then when the child turned 21, they connected and it's just been, everybody's been happy. The adopted parents, the adopted child, and the birth mother. So she, my cousin was just saying we had win, 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 but she also commented that her particular situation was the exception rather than the rule. And it would be nice to see that being more the rule than the exception. Mm. Yep. Hey, Emma, I reckon that's one of my favourite moments on the radio ever. Thank you so much for what you've said today. Speaking up for those no, who can't speak. No, though, Matt. It's making me unsettled. Yeah. And and you know Sorry. what? Every life is precious to God. You know, the Bible says, I knew you before well, you were formed. Right. Okay. God is, God is really, really special. Even Lord Jesus special. Mm. That is God's children they are killing. Yeah. Yep. Every... I'm sorry. I don't mean upset. Sorry. Yep. No, I know, I, I hear your passion, Emma, and uh, many of our listeners, I'm sure, are uh, also very passionate about speaking up for those who can't speak, speaking up for the unborn. That's it's what a... I'm doing. The Good. child didn't ask for this. Any child. Yeah. Sorry, Matt. No. Apologize. Don't apologize. Oh, yeah, sorry. You're wearing your heart on your sleeve, and we love that. Here at Vision, people standing up for what they believe. Good on you. Thank you so much for your call today, Emma. God bless. God bless you too. Bye. Bye. Well, Dr. Camille, what a show. Thank you so much for yeah. joining us today, mate. I don't think I don't think I've had that many calls ever. Oh, I tell all you, the times I've been interviewed by Vision, this was a a record breaker today. You must be stirring things up when you go and travel around this nation, mate. Well, I didn't realize it until I came on the on the talk show. <laughs> Well, once again, people in my seminar are now asking me questions uh, over the air. Yeah. Well, what an amazing program. You know, so many wonderful calls coming in. And once again, I do want to encourage people to get along 
uh, to hear Dr. Kumail Majdali. Uh, you're in Victoria for, what, the next week and a bit? Is that right? The next week, yep. yes, for the next week. And then WA after the 18th of October. Wonderful. Find out more info at our website, vision.org.au. Dr. Camille, thank you for joining us. God bless. God bless. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.